Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the InFight Podcast. Energy is all around us. We need it to live. We use it in various different ways. So I thought, why not let's get someone on the show who knows a lot more about energy than probably most of us. Someone else out there knows more about energy and wants to come on the show. Give me a shout. I gave Steph a call and she is probably one of the people that I know that has spent the most time dealing with energy. In this show, we talk a lot about energy, but we also talk a lot about life, about her daughter, Ruby, about her background, about what's holding her back, and also about what is setting her free and what can also set you free. I'm super grateful for Steph. I'm super grateful for you guys as well. And I hope this show and her energy through it will help you in some way. Another week, another set of announcements. Absolutely no snake talk for you this week. Don't worry. What's super important I'm going to mention it first, is that you need to block your calendars Friday, the 1st of September. It is final Fridays. It is welcome back from summer and it is celebration. I was going to say congratulations to us, but congratulations to us. Congratulations to you. Three years we will have been at our location in Sports City at Olivara. Yes, we moved during the pandemic 2020. It was chaos. We had great years on Sheikh Zayed Road. We're having great years here in Studio City. We like it a lot more. We like everything about it. We like everything about Olivara, and we're going to celebrate that on Friday, the 1st September, 5 p.m. It doesn't matter if you play the endurance, you play the CrossFit, or you don't play at all. You can come. You can get involved. You can have some fun with us. It will be all said and done. You will be worn out within about 60 to 90 minutes. The coaches are recruiting teams. So if you want to be on a team, speak to one of the coaches or drop us an email, winning at innerfight.com, and we will allocate you to a team. There is some quite exciting news coming, and this is almost like a little teaser. In a few weeks' time, about Ladies Run Club for September. Keep that in your pocket. I won't speak any more about it. Steph's actually done a five-minute show on her own for that. Endurance keeps going on. There are sessions. Yes, they're hot some days, but all of the sessions are somehow modified to take into account the weather and to still get the physiological and also psychological gains of endurance. Monday morning, cycling. Tuesday morning at the track. Wednesday, they're actually indoors. Thursday, they relax a little bit. No, they do strength in the gym. Friday, there is a coffee run, and Saturday, this weekend coming, actually, there's mountain biking and also biking at Al Qudra. So if you are interested interested in endurance community sessions, they are still going on. And if you're really interested and want to enter a race, there is an interesting race down in Oman, the Himam Ultra. The website doesn't look safe. Jump in it. If you want a code, reach out to rjnfight.com. He will give you a code for the Himam Ultra. It is on the weekend of the 24th of November. And there's all different distances, 100K, 50K, 22K, I think, and a 10K race as well. If you missed it this week, get to it next week. I've spoken about it for a few weeks. This is the last week that I will speak about it. However, Toby is teaching our Pure Strength class twice a week. 6.30, Monday and Wednesday. If you want to get stronger, this is the place to be. That's it for this week's announcements. Let's get into the show. This is episode number 828 of the Enterfight Podcast. Energy with Steph Hamilton. Steph, thank you so much. You said it before. We could probably talk about anything for at least an hour I want to kick off. How's Ruby doing? Ruby's doing fantastic. Thank you. She's, I think, a little bit in the, well, you know, the post uh, glory blues at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's she? What's she coming down from? What's the glory? Uh, well, she has just come back from representing the UAE at the Special Olympics in Berlin, and she came home in rhythmic gymnastics with a gold, a silver, and a bronze medal. 
Incredible. Do you want to give us a little bit of background? It's probably quite random just kicking off the show. Who's everyone's like, who's Ruby? Why is Ruby important? Then you mentioned coming down for glory. Then we mentioned Special Olympics. Give us a little bit of background. Okay, so Ruby is my daughter and she uh, has was born with Down syndrome. Yeah. And later diagnosed at 13 with autism at the last Special Olympics, which was here in Abu Dhabi. Um, so she has two intellectual disabilities, Down syndrome and autism. And then there's, of course, Ruby herself, who is a, dyna- a dynamic uh, force to be reckoned with. I always say there's Down syndrome, there's autism, and then there's Ruby. So <laughs> which one do you want to deal with on any given day? So, yeah, and she's... Uh, uh, you know, I would say Ruby is a, uh, in many ways, she has a great legacy to leave behind her in in the sense that she has been a catalyst for uh, inclusion here in the region. Um, you know, 10 years ago, rejected 40 times getting into mainstream school. Yeah. And now there's a policy in place because of that relentless, you know, we're wow. not going to give up. And yeah, so that's Ruby. I remember the first time you messaged me, I think it was probably about 2017, and you said, I see you have a kid's class. I have a daughter. This is the story, what you just said there. Is it okay to bring her? And I'll be honest, I was a little bit surprised. Like, why wouldn't it be okay? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then you sort of, you pre-warned me and you said she'll come. And, you know, these are some of the things. And I have this image of her just going up to the stereo <laughs> and turning it really loud <laughs> And I don't know if you remember, it's when yes, we had no, I do. the colored speakers. And I was like, but one thing I noticed was this amazing, she was happy. And she had this incredible sort of, which we're going to talk a lot about today, this incredible energy coming off her. And she just wanted to express herself somehow. I don't know. Yeah, um, I think, you know, if we're going to talk about energy, and that's something that we, we have, I think that we can talk a lot about. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that Ruby is, she's my, I say she's my guru. I'm, you know, she's Yoda, I'm the Jedi. Right. <laughs> and, and she really does teach me a lot about energy. When you say she's happy, yeah, she can be happy a lot of the times, but she can also be, you know, she can be a total bitch as well. <laughs> and I can say that because I'm her that mom. That was one of the <laughs> second things that you said to me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. How, old, how old is she now? She's 17 now. Right, so she yeah. was like 12 and you, you yeah. told me she's been a bitch. And I'm like, <laughs> well, you're her mom, you can kind of say that. You know what? Because we don't, you know, I would say any of my kids were, were being a bitch if they're being a bitch, you know? Yeah. It's like, and they'd probably tell me that the same thing back. So it's like, you know, at the end of the day, honesty is something that I value and you got to tell people, you got to call them out on their shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> Even if you have a dual disability, it's like, Absolutely. Yeah. It's incredible. Let's stay on that inclusion sector for a little while because I think that it's important that people hear, hear about it. I don't think it's just locally. I think mm. it's globally. Give us a little bit of a rundown on sort of inclusion or <laughs> sadly the lack of it that you've seen. Yeah. So there's a really good analogy and it talks about, you know, um, it's talking about diversity is being asked to, you know, come to the dance and inclusion is being asked to dance. I've probably got it wrong, yeah, right. but it's something, you know, it's something to that effect. So inclusion, a lot of people, times people will create scenarios or they'll create, um, you know, programs for people with disabilities or differences. And they'll say, you know, this is inclusion, but inclusion is about everyone meshing together and everyone coming together because there's great value, not in only, you know, I don't, how I see it is that we all have gifts and we all have challenges. I always say that. We all have gifts, we all have challenges. We're good at some things and we're shit at other things. And so because of that, we can all learn from one another. People that have strengths in a certain area, for you, like, you know, your strength is, well, many things, but, you know, people come to you for funny initially probably like fitness advice but then they realize there's a lot a lot more depth there in terms of you know what you can offer that you're going to tell them to clean their environment up perhaps or whatever but my point about that is that you know we all have strengths we all have challenges so we can all learn from each other through those strengths and challenges and this is no different whether you have a disability or you don't i mean ruby's just you know she's smashed out a gold silver and bronze you know i tried the routine that she did i could not do it and i'm pretty coordinated i think (laughs) so i'm like you know that's her gift like movement to music is her gift Mm. you know rhythmic gymnastics um 
So it's like we all have things that we can add value to. And often people will say when they come and they, they work with people of determination, children with disabilities, whatever you, want, you like, they'll say, you know, I got so much more out of that than what I feel I gave to them as a volunteer. Mm. So again, it's like it's a dual exchange of, of you know, value, I guess you could say. Um, in terms of inclusion here in the region, I would, I really, you know, have to say I'm super um, proud of the, the kind of the acceleration that's happened in the last 10 years. Um, I'm really proud of the UAE in terms of how, you know, we went with a delegation of 177, you know, we were the largest delegation in the Middle East there um, in Berlin, and it was a fantastic and beautiful experience. And I'm going to tell you a little story about that in terms of, you know, in uh, Special Olympics and team sports, they have what's called unified sports. So it means that you play with, say, 80% of your team as, you know, neurotypical, right? normal, whatever you want to call, you know, who's normal? No one. <laughs> neurotypical <laughs> athletes. Neurotypical is such a great <laughs> phrase, isn't it? It's it like, is. It's a bit. Is that good or is that bad or is that normal or is, is it right <laughs> to be normal? But it's, yeah. <laughs> we, we don't know, right? But we just, we have to come up with some kind of, I guess, do we have to come up with a distinction? But it just helps people to understand. Yeah. So, and maybe, you know, a quarter of the team has uh, an intellectual disability. And I watched the UAE basketball team, and it was amazing because they're supposed to let all the players play a quarter of the time. Right. Right? So everyone's supposed to play kind of equally, right? And some of the teams from the other countries where you could see were like, where are the people with intellectual disabilities? And, you know, and the UAE, they could score a basket every time, but she'd always pass, you know, to... The, her teammates that had right. the intellectual disability. And I thought that was just so beautiful because, and the girls were just like, they were just so excited. And they, you know, they'd have a shot, they'd miss, they'd get one in occasionally as well. So the whole point of it was that that is inclusion. Yeah. That is inclusion. It's, you know, it's having everyone work together, you know, and I feel like the UAE, uh, I was proud of that team in particular because I said, you know, I saw you guys and that you played the way you're supposed to play. Yeah. And uh, they said, yeah, we could have won so many other games, but the other teams weren't playing that way. And we're like, yeah. So it's, it's I don't know, I guess it's um, inclusion. That's just an example in sport. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot of work still to be done in educating people. Um, let's just say it's not a straight path. Yeah. It's not a straight line, I don't feel. I feel mm. like there's many moving parts to it. I watched or listened to a podcast, I actually watched it with Lewis Hamilton and Jay Shetty just the other day. And obviously Lewis Hamilton having different color skin to most of the people that were in Formula One, coming from a different background and having been so successful is now using his position, I think we could say, mm -hmm. and, and he openly says that, to help drive inclusion. It's a really interesting topic, and it's something that, I mean, personally, I've always been a little bit, I guess, blind to in a way, because, you know, when the example, when you message me, I'm like, well, she's just a child. Like, mm. I don't care that she has a disability or multiple things that are not the same as the other kids. And it, we've always kind of been the same at the gym. I remember people turning up and oh, I forgot my shoes. I'm like, well, that's okay. Like, to be honest, you know, the, these, <laughs> these trainers that we wear that have like a millimeter of cloth, if you drop a barbell on them, like you're in trouble anyway. Yeah. But you know, there's all these stereotypes of, oh, I don't have the right uniform. And this is inclusion and, and also discrimination, I think. I think it comes on a on a, on a bigger level as mm. well, you know, obviously, you know, we've got belief systems, race, uh, what you're wearing, but it, it's all rooted in the same. Like we're all humans. So why not? Let's just, let's just play. Yeah. And I think something that comes to mind when I think of inclusion is that, you know, what it actually requires that it requires people to slow down and be present. Mm. It really does. Because when I said to you, and the reason I said to you, can she come, you know, because I need to assess the environment, first of all, I need to assess your attitude as well, because yeah, I didn't course. know you that well. Yeah. So it's like, I need to assess your attitude. What's your attitude towards this? Um, do I have an opportunity to educate you as well? Mm. Because that's my job as, you know, as an advocate, as a parent advocate, you know, Ruby has a voice, which, you know, her voice is very honest and very straightforward, yeah. you know, uh, but at the same time, she's, 
you know, maybe her articulation is not the same as what I can offer. Um, she does that through me, you know. So, um, but I think it requires you to slow down, to be present, and to also assess your environment. Um, and it, it requires a lot of education. It requires a lot of receptivity. Because in that instant when she went and turned, you know, the volume up, that's unacceptable. You know, for me as a parent, yeah. it's my job to teach her that, you know, I know you're exploring, but this is an opportunity for you to learn not to do that. Yeah. To a actually acquire some discipline. Because at the end of the day, it's not like give them a free pass because they have a disability. You know, yeah. they have to, but there are opportunities there too to see where things can be done outside the, the square as well. It's interesting though, isn't it? And, and you can see my, my eyes are going everywhere <laughs> and I'm thinking a lot. I'm like, well, what's the difference between a human being, a child, an adult who goes and turns up the music and has a little dance mm. to the kid who's not participating, who is a stroke normal <laughs> child, you know? And that, that's where, I don't know, maybe I see, I don't see, and I've never seen ability or lack of ability yeah in top class sport it's it's different and i'm i think i'm very discriminative in top class sport i'm like <laughs> you, you're not fucking good enough get out you know and, and it's yeah. like you know you, yeah. you're paying to to watch these guys and they're getting paid a fortune no matter what sport we're talking about that that's obviously highly paid you're yeah. like get out but the large percentage of the population we're rank amateurs you know and i don't see any I can't discriminate between a child turning up the, the, the stereo and a child refusing to pick up or do the jumping over the rope, for example. They're both, yes, what you said is true, they're showing a lack of discipline on a certain level, but they're children and that's okay. Yeah, no, there is some, some I guess it's, it's a little bit, you know, there's a lot of different areas there that can be kind of gray areas yes. I guess you yeah. know like yeah so, you can let someone turn up the stereo and have, but it's like if you do it again and again and again it becomes yeah. disruptive right yes. so you say okay that's cool you encourage you know a little bit of spontaneity to be different um, but at the same time it's only because I know Ruby yeah. <laughs> You're looking at it so from a discriminative I'm looking, lens. I'm looking at it from, from my, you know, own personal experience yeah. with her. But but you're right. You know, it's an opportunity for people. One thing about Ruby is that she lets people uh, let loose and be who they're kind of meant to be. She lets people, she is who she is, and she opens that gateway for other people to embrace who they are. With all, you know, we say the word, it's a cliche, perfectly imperfect, you know, yeah. embrace who you are and just, you know, get on with it. Let's pick that up or let's, that's a great segue into people's energy. She lets out insane energy. Let's kick off. When did you first touch base with energies and start to feel them, be aware of them? Where did all this start? Right. So I think as a child, I, I've always been a highly sensitive person and, but it's taken me years to understand and finally start to like, you know, harness that and actually use it for my, for my own good. Um, so yeah, as a child, I was highly sensitive. Um, but I think that my, my, uh, introduction into the energy world into like, you know, I'm a healer, I'm a Reiki healer. I work with all types of different energy, plant energy, uh, nature spirits, um, whatever you like. <laughs> um, and I'm, you know, I, I read people's energy, um, and I help them to balance it. I teach them uh, sort of through that way. But, um, the first kind of introduction I had to that was after I gave birth to Ruby, which was 17 years ago. Um, and I went through, uh, six months later, I was diagnosed with autoimmune, uh, thyroid condition and the thyroid is your throat. It's your voice. Um, when I gave birth to Ruby, I was, you know, I come from a family of, you know, six children. I'm the oldest. My mom was 30 when she had six kids. So it's like, you do not, like, you're a warrior. Like, you don't come to me unless you're bleeding, <laughs> unless you've got, you know, a bullet. <laughs> she knew about no weakness. Right? Yeah, there was, she was, my mom was like Anne Hull. She's like, no weakness for sure. 
Um, so she taught us that sort of like, you know, you're, you're tough. So when I gave birth to Ruby, I didn't know how to express my emotions around that. And I was like, right, we're just gonna, we're gonna forge forward and this kid is gonna be amazing. And of course she is, but mm. I didn't deal with the emotions at the time. And that manifested six months mm -hmm. later. You know, I say, if we don't express, we suppress. I suppressed and that got trapped in my body. Uh, those emotions got trapped in my body, the emotions of grief. And so it was, you know, six months later, I was diagnosed with a thyroid to the point where I stopped sweating. Um, you know, it was quite severe. Um, uh, like, I mean, I was sweating, but you know, diff yeah, it was like my body was shutting down. Wow. So that was a wake up call. And I went through a lot of different, you know, I went to five doctors to get it diagnosed in the first place. When I finally did get it diagnosed, she said, you're a walking coma. I don't actually know how you're functioning. Um, and then I really, because my background is medical, uh, initially and fit, it was med medical and fitness actually back in, that's how I came to the Middle East in 96. Um, I w sort of went into this kind of, you know, just researching, you know, how do I fix this? How do I fix it? Um, so many different things. I went to naturopath, you know, I found out that I had a massive intolerance to yeast. <clears throat> and the interesting thing about that and see my throat is starting to... <laughs> This is how energy works. So that, there's an element of that still in my throat. You know, an element of that maybe I still haven't healed because I'm talking wow. about it and my throat is, you know, it's closing up. <laughs> and <laughs> Let's hold that thought. Yeah. How often do you catch things like that? That something's happening in your body mm. as, you, as you speak about something that's affected your life massively mm. and then you start to you're super aware of it that's mm. why you just pulled it up mm. <laughs> but how how deep do you go with it um i'm quite aware of it because i work not you know i've worked a lot i mean i've healed my autoimmune it took me the last three years so covid i started healing it and it took me three years of i will say like a lot of hell <laughs> like <laughs> and i'm gonna say that because it's the truth but it was like it was you know as you know, when you do hard things, it builds resilience and, you know, it takes you out the other side to a, a much easier, more peaceful place, which is where I sit now. Again, maybe I'm not fully 100% healed, but I'm very, again, I have the self-awareness around it. I can say, okay, I'm speaking about this. There's an energetic imprint there. So everything has an energetic blueprint or an energetic imprint. So in our energy field, we have physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and energetic layers. This is according to yogic philosophy. Um, you know, and within that energetic layer, our aura, if you like. And I think people can relate to the word aura now. I think it's okay to talk about auras now. It's interesting Chakras. how it's <clears throat> evolving. See, again. Yeah. So the interesting thing about that is, yeah, everything is, um, if you can think of your energy field like a library, and within that library everything that's ever happened to you exists within that energy field. So you either accept that that's there, you confront it. Um, really healing is, for me, what I've learned is it's, it's not that complicated. It's just acknowledging it, seeing it's there, and allowing it to be what it's meant to be, and then generally it just leaves you then. It's like a small kid when they pull on you, they tug on their mom's. Their mom's talking to the friend, and the kid's, hugging mom 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 and you're like mom's like just go away will you yeah. <laughs> and when you just turn around and you say yes johnny <laughs> ruby whoever you know how can i help you they often go you know they say what they want you help them they go away you know it's the same thing i that's my analogy for that it's like you know it's uh yeah so i f i feel like the self-awareness comes uh when you're willing to look at that when you're willing to face things that are in coming into your, uh, into your awareness. You know, we have stuff come in our awareness all the time, but people like, they like noise. You know, mm. we like noise. I don't want to say they, because I do it as well. We like noise. There's power in noise though, isn't there? There's energy, noise, noise is energy. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So there's noise. So if you're able to listen to that noise and understand it, I guess then you can have a better chance of, Deciding what noise you want to keep <laughs> yeah. and what noise you want to let go. I guess that's the bottom line with, with noises and sounds. We'll often use certain noise to increase energy, certain noise to reduce energy. So it's about figuring out which 
noise impact your energy in the way that you want your energy to go. Yeah. Makes any sense to anyone? (laughs) No, it does make sense. And going back to what I was saying to you about when I started my healing journey, the one thing that I really wanted to to share, which I I hope could help someone, is that, um, you know, when I was doing this research about my thyroid and how, you know, going to this bioresonance healer, you know, I found this intolerance to yeast. And she said to me, do you know what what yeast is... uh, is resonant, you know, what does it resonate with? What emotion does it go with? And I said, no, I, I have no idea. And she said, it goes with uh, resentment. And I said, and I was talking to her at the time about my parents, because a lot of stuff comes up. When we do healing, a lot of times we go back to yeah. our, you know, our roots, right? And, you know, and I said, resentment, really? And she said, yeah. And I said, so I said, you know, I have had a lot of resentment about my parents and the way, you know, my childhood was. And so I said, are you saying that if I just like acknowledge that, that I can heal? And she said, well, you make the decision. You, you, you work it out, you know? And I said, okay, so I don't resent my parents. And I just said it out loud and no word of a lie. I started like losing weight. I started, the yeast started to die in my body. I was doing also not having sugar. I was also omitting yeast from my diet, but I had done that for a few weeks and nothing was shifting. And it wasn't until I confronted the actual vibration of the, what is behind this intolerance Mm. on an emotional level that things started to really fly. There's so much here that we can unpack. This is brilliant. (laughs) I want to go to you were not well Mm. and you went what we'd call the, I don't know if it's traditional or modern route. I think it's actually the modern route. The traditional route is to go to traditional medicine, but you went really the modern route of, okay, I'm not feeling good. I'll go and see a doctor. That process, well, talk us through that process because you obviously went to multiple doctors and then you went to what for, for the purpose of the show, and I think for, for the purpose of, of life, we should call, you went to traditional routes. So you went the way that most people go. You're not feeling good. You, you, you call a medical professional. Yeah, I went to five doctors, and um, I'm, my background is medical. I worked in pathology labs. You know, that's how I came to said I went to Saudi in 1996 as a 23-year-old female. <laughs> Do the maths. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I started my journey in the medical field. So I have a, had a trust and a belief in the medical field. Mm. I also had some other, you know, things. And I, I, I always say now, like, I don't want to ever... Uh, dismiss any any system because I feel like they all have value in some way. If I get yeah. in an accident, God forbid, please send me to the trauma unit. Like, <laughs> you know, don't try and stitch me up with essential oils. It's not gonna, it's not gonna cut it. Egyptian cotton. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, there's a time and a place for everything. That the medical system at that time did let me down. I felt, however, I did eventually get on medication, and I took medication. The tr- like the allopathic, they call it medicine, which is the you know what most people use right mm. um and i was on that medication for 14 years but at the same time i started looking at because when i went on the medication initially i didn't actually have any any great result from it mm. um and it wasn't until i started doing healing until i started changing my diet until until i started looking at mindfulness i don't know a, a myriad of things really um that i started to notice the power of you know I guess Eastern, I would say a lot of Eastern philosophies of healing, you know, Ayurveda. Yes. You know, Chinese medicine, the, the, the root of real medicine, right? That is the root of real medicine in a number of people. Like that's things that you found are, well, you'll tell us thousands of years old thousands and thousands of years old it's the it's it is the root every single you know let's call them whatever tradition tribe culture has its own i mean here in the uae they have their own you know natural medicines you know you look at the emiratis and their skin it's beautiful what do they use they use frankincense on their skin not not all of them but some of them do they say oh yeah we use frankincense oil whatever yeah they have beautiful skin it's like natural it's not they're not i mean i'm sure some of them use you know (laughs) Uh, you know, certain products or whatever, but I'm just saying they do have, you know, if you go to the, to the grandmas, you know, mm. they'll give you the, 
the neem oil for the teeth. You know that you know the the sticks that yeah. they use to clean the teeth. Um, yeah, there's in every place you go, there's some kind of traditional medicine, and I think like, you know, I think that there's value in 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 both, depending on. For me personally, I, I I'm I do use both systems, but I'm really more towards the the, the root. You know, the Chinese medicine, the you know the Ayurveda. Um, yeah, all of these things. It's interesting that because I'm I'm now trying to mix that concept of traditional medicine with something that you said, and I massively agree with that retaining emotions is causing us to remain in six states. We're not healing ourselves because we're retaining these emotions. However, if we look at tradition, emotions have been suppressed through probably our parents and definitely our grandparents like conversations like this probably wouldn't happen talking about emotions i mean you and i did a show a, f- a few months ago for your podcast which is launching soon <laughs> folks i'm i'm keep on pressuring steph she's got a really good show she speaks really and and you know that was that was filled with emotions which maybe even five years ago or ten years ago we wouldn't have had a similar conversation maybe so we're saying on the one hand, traditional medicine is fantastic, but we're also saying we need to release emotions by talking. And that's something that's quite new. So where do these two kind of, do they, how do they meet? Or is it just in the last hundred years that we decided to stop talking about how we feel? So I think we have to look at ourselves as a holistic being because we are, we're, we're, we're called human beings. So yeah. human comes from the word hue, which is color. Hue, or a man, like, you know, man, so man, woman, whatever. Hue, which is color, because we are actually, you know, our aura is, you can actually photograph it with Kirlian photography and see all of the colors. We are colorful beings. We're men, you know, like, yeah. this is who we are. Yeah. So human beings, why? Because we're, we're, meant to, we're meant to be who we're meant to be, right? So out of these, what I mentioned before, we have the physical you know, the physical aspect. And this is where medicine comes in because that, what does medicine do? It treats the physical, right? As a root. Yes. But then we have the emotional. So we're talking, discussing that. We also have the mental. We have the spiritual. Now, again, it depends on how people connect with that. But we, you know, we're spiritual beings first and we are inhabiting a physical body. Now, again, that's subject to people's opinion, but you know, that's, that's my belief. Um, but it's also the belief of the yogic philosophy. And then we have the energy field. So, which is probably the least looked at, I would say. Um, because I feel like maybe it's just, there's just not enough discussion around that. But within the energy field are those four layers, the spiritual, the emotional, the mental, the physical. So it all relates. So we do physical fitness. That's the one, we're most connected to our physical you know, we're primal mm. beings. We're like, you know, we're, we're of the earth. So it's like physical, we, everyone gets physical. Yeah. They understand that, you know, everyone, I think the next one is mental. We have a lot of uh, discussion around mental health now, which is amazing, you know, especially after COVID. So mental's the next one. That's another layer, you know? So different from emotional. They all, inter, they all interweave and intertwine though, don't they? So it, it's, it, I think that's why... Again, like mental, you know, so we look at like meditation. So I always say we go to the gym for physical. We, you know, maybe we, for mental, we might go to a counselor or maybe we meditate if we're inclined to do that. Maybe some people, again, running, Mm. (laughs) that's meditation, right? (laughs) Ultimately. So that mixes both. Um, And then we have the, you know, the spiritual, if you're religious or you, again, that can go in the meditation, you know, you do whatever you do for spiritual, whatever that means to you, because that's very, very private, I think, very, very personal thing. Um, but the energy part of it, do we look at our energy? How often do we look at our energy? That includes your environment, what's in your environment. I know you speak about this a lot. Mm. Um, your energy is who you associate with, who do you let into your circle, who do you, con- you know, who do you spend your time with? You're the sum of the five people that you spend the time with, right? So who is, what energy are you allowing into your space? Um, what foods are you eating? Again, they're energy, food or, foods are energetic. You know, you can eat, uh, you know, a, a Mars bar or you can have <laughs> a beautiful acai bowl here at, at Smith going. Street Failio. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, again, energy is energy. And it's, it's actually not a difficult concept, but we don't really look at 
our energy a lot of the times. People kind of, they say, well, what do you mean do something for my energy? You know, there's a lot you can do for your energy. And that's just simply things like being in nature, you know, again, cleaning up your environment, as you say, what, what's in your space? Like, does it make you feel good? Does it, does it make you feel heavy or light? It's a simple question. Does this thing here sitting on my desk make me feel heavy or light? Does it make you feel heavy? Then fucking throw it out. <laughs> Excuse mean, my language. No, but, you know. <laughs> and that's, it's interesting. I, I think about energy a lot. And one of the first questions I was going to ask you is what it actually is. But I think you've almost answered that now half an hour in, which is it's actually a heightened state of awareness in a number of ways. Yeah. Being aware, because a lot of people, you and I are quite astute to it. And within 90 seconds of you being in this room today, you realized the energy that the room has and you made a comment about it. A lot of people have probably been in this room 50 times and don't realize that there's a bike on your right, my left. <laughs> Whereas if you left the room and I gave you a pen and paper after that 90 seconds and I asked you to write down anything you know about that room, your heightened state of awareness would probably detail it quite well. <laughs> no, I feel under pressure. <laughs> well, you, no, no, no. You, no, I, you yeah, would, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's the same. That question that, that you asked, I think, is, is if people can take anything from this conversation, does this thing, no matter if it's a person, no matter if it's an object, does it make you lighter or heavier? Does it make you feel better or worse? It's simple. But you can't do that if you're not, if you don't have a state of awareness. I think people- or can you? Um, I th well, I think if you ask someone, you can even sim simplify it even more. Do you like this? Do you not like it? You know, it's like, you know, I don't know. But yeah, I think that it does definitely require awareness. I think people have a lot more awareness than what they give themselves credit for. It's whether they want to be aware or not. Because some people like to be in toxic situations or drama. And it's, again, is it whether they like to be in that cycle? Um, or is it because, <laughs> or is, I'm going to open up a can of worms here. Do people like drama? Do they like to be in that cycle? Is it a pattern? So the, uh, let me say this, the universe likes patterns. Okay. A lot of things work in patterns, right? Would you agree? Mm, yes. And yeah. people like routine and patterns. Am I right? In general, most humans do. Yeah, I, I think they do. But again, I think, and this is where I get stuck because a lot of people, if you ask them, do you have good patterns? Do you have good routines? They would say no. But True. then then if you ask them to list what they do as a human and as humans, it proves exactly what you're saying. Because yeah. maybe over 70% of our life is done in routines. Wake up, have a piss, <laughs> brush your teeth. Some people don't, please start doing that. <laughs> you know, there's all these things that actually shows us, although there is quite a lot of spontaneity and although, you know, a lot of what we talk about, like I want to know literally two days out what I'm having for dinner in, in two days time and it, and it kills Holly. Like that, and that's probably that last 20 to 30% of routine and, and patterns. But yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, I, but again, I think it comes back to awareness is that a lot of people will say, I don't have any routine. I think like what you've, what you've just nailed right there is with patterns is like, is it a good pattern or is it, oh, is yeah. a pattern that serves you or doesn't serve you? Yeah. But people like patterns, yeah. whether they, it serves them or it doesn't. I think the universe, you know, everything is like in some kind of order, if you like, sometimes disorganized chaos. Yeah. But there's, you know, there is an element there of, patterning right yeah. um and i think like if you can take that idea of patterning and use and, and look at it energetically you can say again does this make me feel heavy does it make me feel light does this pattern serve me does it not i mean when clients come to me for energy healing a lot of times this comes up you know and it's like they'll say you know this isn't working for me maybe it's relationships or you know whatever their job and i say to them you know we <laughs> 
are you doing the same things every day? And they're like, yeah, pretty much. And it's like, we, we do the same things, but we expect another result, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's not anything new. People mm -hmm. know that concept, but it's mm -hmm. like, okay, so what are you willing to change within that pattern? Like one small thing, one little thing, what are you willing to change? Because if you don't change the energy in that pattern, mm -hmm. then nothing, the energy will not follow. Energy is motion. Energy moves. It doesn't stay still. Mm. Right? Yeah. You know, so it's like when you're, you're willing to make a change, that's an action. You know, it doesn't, you know, we have to have an idea in our head first. You know, what am I going to change? You know, for me, uh, you know, recently I was like, I've been saying for ages, oh, I need to lose the baby weight. Well, my baby is 14. <laughs> So <laughs> I decided to run for a hundred days yeah. because I thought, you know what? I don't like running. I don't, I didn't like running. Mm. And so it was like, how am I going to change this? I'm going to the gym. Okay. I can change my diet. I know I'm going to get, you know, of course, diet's a big part of it. Mm. But for me right now, I need to do something that's also mentally going to change my point of view and my perspective. And I was like, this is going to hurt a hundred days running. I know for your listeners is like probably a normal thing, but for me, you know, to do nasal breathing and to do a hundred days of that, that was a challenge for sure. for sure. And I was like, but you know what? It, it's changed. It's changed things in my life. I started actioning stuff that I had sit, had sitting in my to-do list for five years. I finally actioned those wow. things. Because I felt, because I was moving physically on the track yeah. and I would think like, oh, I can do that now. Like I have the ability to do that now. I can do this and this is really, for me, it was hard. So I'm like, I'm doing something that's a challenge for me. Yeah. So why am I not doing this, writing this letter that I wanted to write? Why am I not doing that? Was so. it the running or was it something else? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, well, I guess the running gave me uh, that sense of, again, that I had to relax, learn to relax when I was running because I was breathing through my nose and I'm like, I realized I can't fight this. Mm. You know, the more I relax, the more oxygen I'm getting in. Um, I guess the more sense of peace that I had of mind. I meditate anyway, so, but even still, I wasn't getting those answers. Mm. So it's like, I think I just changed my mode of meditation. <laughs> I was gonna say, it, it seems it's the vehicle. Yeah. And we ride in different vehicles the yeah. whole time. So my traditional meditation of, you know, sitting in a quiet space yeah. and that I've been doing for years, so I've become used to that. It's a pattern. It does serve me, but I, I needed to maybe change the method of it. And the running became another source of meditation. You mentioned something that I think we're hearing a lot more about these days, childhood and you, I don't know if you use the word, but I'm going to use it. We're seeing, or we're talking more about childhood trauma. Mm. Talk us through a little bit about maybe your childhood and what you've unpacked to heal yourself, I think is probably, or to start the journey of healing or, or freedom or talk us through that. Whoa. <laughs> So I didn't expect that. Um, so, uh, right. So I come from a family of six children, as I said. My parents were very young parents. My mom was married at 16 to my dad at the time was 20, I believe. Uh, my mom had me at 18. Um, and, you know, I was born in the 70s, which was a completely different era to now. Uh, and my parents came from their own fragmented backgrounds as well. My mom's mom... I found out who I never met her. Her real mom was a, shall we say, lady of the night. Mm -hmm. um, married to her dad. Her dad, the mother left. The dad, you know, um, gave my mother and her brother to his mother to raise. Went on to marry, had three more kids. I'm painting this picture because, you know, before I say anything about my childhood, it's important to set the stage to go, this is where my parents came from. You know, my dad's dad was an alcoholic. Um, you know, his grandfather committed or grandmother committed suicide. So I'm just painting this picture. This is where Stephen and Anne, my parents, where they came from, right? And then they go on to have six kids with no, no one asking them or helping them, you know, to be the people that, that they're meant to be. No one asking about them, their trauma and not understanding anything about trauma. So my father was abusive to my mother <clears throat> physically, my throat again. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and, um, 
you know, uh, when I was at the age of maybe 14, I think I was 14, 15, I kind of block it out sometimes, but uh, my father was arrested. My mom called the police on my dad and uh, they came to the door. My mom said, oh no, it's just, uh, she wanted to scare him. So they, she said, no, go away, it's fine. And two days later, they came back on a Sunday morning and they arrested my dad out of bed. And my parents left. There was no cell phones back then, and I was left with the family. We also had six elderly people living with us, I will add, <laughs> that we cared for. So this is a book in itself. <laughs> so if you want it, yeah, it's quite a lot of moving parts here. So my dad, mom went away, and I was thinking, okay, well, I don't know what's going on. Like, my dad's gone to jail, or what's going on, you know? Anyway, so that's just to kind of set the stage. There was a lot of, you know, uh, kind of, I guess, a lot of, like very chaotic environment, you know, things like, you know, and I, and I don't want to disrespect my parents in any way. And I guess I'm, I'm painting the picture. This is the truth. I also talk about the truth. You know, this is what happened. Um, and, you know, I guess like in, for a lot of my life, I blamed that, you know, I left as soon as I could. I went to the Middle East, you know, I moved out at the age of 17. Um, lots of things happened, but it was, it's only many years later that I've been able to kind of I've healed, I, I feel like I've healed and then I digress again. You know, like I went through a stage when I had that issue with uh, looking at resentment. Mm. Um, I was able to heal that, but then I've had another layer and another layer. And even recently I went home, you know, in January, <laughs> all the way to Canada for my 50th birthday and my parents didn't see me. They were having some dramas of their own and they were like, we're not just, we're not gonna see you. And I was, you know, devastated. Um, I have a beautiful group of friends who were there and they were like, Steph, this is, you know, this is, we love you. And, and I had a wonderful time, mm. but I actually also realized for the first time I, I went through this kind of dark night of the soul and I realized for the first time that, you know what, this is just, you know, what they're capable of and they are going through their, whatever things they're going through is real for them. And I shouldn't take that personally although it's very hard not to. For sure. Um, I did take it personally. And then I kind of was like, at the end of the day, I can, you know, and I didn't speak to my parents for these last few months. And I called them the other night because mm. I was like, if my parents, if something happened to them tomorrow, I, yeah, I would be devastated that I didn't reach out again. And I thought I ha I'm at a point here and healing for me, I've said it before, a lot of healing has to do with acceptance. It's very simple. I feel it's, it's simple in its concept, but not always in its execution. And so I realized the other day that either I accept that this is who they are, and I look at the parts of them that have helped build me and make me into the person that I am today. I'm a resilient human being. Um, you know, I'm tenacious. <laughs> you know, um, trauma doesn't really, in general, I can handle other people's trauma because just seems normal <laughs> you know and that's kind of a gift in a way because i'm able to look at those things objectively i feel a little bit more objectively and have empathy empathy is a big one mm. so when people are going through something i can actually be like i see you i hear you i feel you and sometimes that's enough for someone you don't have to f you're not going to fix if i tell you all this you know you're not gonna you're not here to fix whatever's happening in my life, nor am I here to fix what's happening in your life. But if you just simply acknowledge, and, ex and just acknowledgement is another part of healing. Acknowledge and accept, and embrace even, to embrace it, to go, what is the gift that I got out of this? That's a, another huge takeaway, I think, and probably one of the most undervalued things, because what you just said helps us both to feel safe, which is a basic human need but it's lacking a lot so if i listen to you and and i don't need to i actually don't even need to say i know how you feel i can just be with you and i'm not good at this holly will tell you <laughs> i'm not good at this i'm trying to be better but that whole just to to feel that you can say those things and to feel that little bit of safety actually helps us helps us along the way. You literally nailed it on the head. And I recently did some hypnotherapy around my issues of emotional eating. So when my parents would go, they'd often go, so this, again, it's the 80s, right? Mm. They'd go, we're going to go get, we're going out for coffee, right? And you watch the kids. So I'm here with these six kids. I'm young. 
And I don't know when they're coming home. I don't have an iPhone. It's a blizzard outside. I lived in Canada. You know, it's, I'm thinking, and I'm, the, and I'm sensitive, so I'm worried. Like, did they get in an accident? I'm standing by the window. I'm like, so then I'm like, okay, go to the fridge. You know, eat some yogurt. Go to the freezer. Eat some ice cream. Mm. You know, all the comfort foods. Go, go to the Nutella jar, <laughs> whatever, you know? And I would just eat and eat and eat because why? It made me feel safe. Mm. And, and I, it's taken me to the age of 50 to understand, I knew that I was emotionally eating. I was aware of that. I knew that I was also, um, you know, using those, uh, the food to suppress emotions as well. I was aware of that. Then I, I confronted that. And then I thought, there's one more thing. Like, what is it? And I went and did hypnotherapy. And through my uh, hypnotherapy, I realized it's a core feeling of not feeling safe. So I eat, emotionally eat, mindlessly eat when I don't feel safe. Mm. And now that I know that, you know, it's one thing knowing I'm doing a meditation to reprogram my subconscious because what people don't realize is your mind, you know, I think it's, I don't know the exact percentage, but let's say it's 20% is conscious. Mm. The rest is subconscious. You have to repattern yourself subconsciously or you just keep attracting the same energy. So I can be conscious that I eat when I don't feel safe, but if I don't repattern that on a subconscious level, mm. I'm still going to do it. And it's really helped me doing the, the meditations, and it, it is helping me. I'm not fully recovered from it, you know, but I, I'm moving towards a better version of that. So if energy flows, and again, we're hearing more about this, what's termed as generational or hereditary flow of trauma how do you feel about your children and probably another tough question and feel free not to answer it and probably not what you thought you'd signed up for this morning but do you think about that oh yes very much so um i would say my oldest daughter who is 22 um she got the the most, let's say, unawake or unaware version of me. The 14-year-old the has probably the most aware version of me, but probably the most, <laughs> that, that version is probably a bit tougher mm. in some ways. But um, I, I would, yeah, I think about it often. And I, I am, it's on my list that, I'm, that I feel that there's work to be done there. You know, that I have an accountability as a parent to, I, I have been very accountable when I've, you know, I had a lot of um, anger issues, you know, anger stored in the liver, by mm -hmm. the way, one of the, you know, our emotions all like to sit in different parts of the body. Um, so when I do Reiki and energy healing, you know, I can often, you know, I'll sense where I need to go. And if it's the lungs, it's grief. If it's mm. the liver, it's anger, the intestines, sadness, you know, the, the spleen is worry. So all these things sit in different places. So I, I have, you know, had... Um, an awareness of anger issues and that comes from what I viewed as a child and what I what I was immersed in I was immersed in a constant pool of anger right yeah. so that's partly repatterning what I what I learned but also uh, suppressing and, and allowing this anger to come out in another way so you know finding healthy ways to express that but I'm, I'm conscious that I have taken my anger out of my children uh, and I still do it. I, you know, I yell at them. I know I'm not like, you know, <laughs> the un-yogi yogi, you know, I'm not, but I'm a human being and I, perfectly but I do. Perfectly imperfect. <laughs> perfectly imperfect. I course correct and I say, you know what, I, you know, and the youngest one's the best at calling me out. She'll say, you're yelling at me and you're, you're like, this is not right. Like, you should not be yelling at me. Like, you want to talk to me, talk to me. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> because the children that come now are much more awake. These children have come to wake us up. You know, the children that are here now are a completely different breed and they're much more, um, you know, people might look at them, every older generation goes, oh, these kids nowadays, you know, they're, yeah. but it's like they come with greater gifts if you're willing to look at them. Um, but yeah, I'm very aware that I have work to do uh, on all three of my kids in terms of helping them to heal the generational and ancestral patterning that has followed us. Because like I said to you, everything is an energetic blueprint. Even this table has an energetic blueprint. Mm. So everything has a blueprint. So if something happens, if you get in a car accident, that car holds that energetic blueprint of that car. If you don't clear that energy and you sell the car, it's likely it can happen again. Everything is a pattern and repeats itself. This is a I whole other no thing. no one's driving right now <laughs> and thinking what happened to their car. Yeah. 
clear it. <laughs> Continuing with the, the, the point, and, and I won't keep you too much longer, but I think the children point with trauma is, is interesting. Mm. Is there a point where, and it kind of loops back to almost the start of Ruby turning up the stereo of what's right and what's wrong. Is there a point where having these conversations with children nowadays gives them an easy option? So are you, are you saying, I'm going to ask you, like just to clarify, yeah. are you saying that when you tell them, oh, you know, you had trauma or whatever, it gives them like a, a ticket out? Yes. Like a ticket to not doing hard things. Yes. Yeah, I think definitely there's an element of that, of this like kind of molly coddling or whatever. But I also think that, again, for me personally, like if I'm going to look at trauma, um, how I experienced it and how I dealt with it, it comes down again to awareness, acceptance, acknowledgement, embracing it. So it's like I, I would follow the same path with my kids. First of all, I need to be accountable for my you know, what I've, what I've done, how, mm. what have I done to cause them trauma? How do they feel I've traumatized them? Mm. Because, you know, I'm sure if you ask them, they'll say, yeah, she's traumatized me, you For know? Sure. Yeah, I think every parent is going to get that from their kids. Maybe not. Maybe some people are lucky. I don't know. I guess some people seem to- Maybe live. some people are not aware of it. Maybe they're not aware. This is it. I don't know. But I think, I think for sure my, my kids would say, <laughs> you've traumatized, traumatized me. Just to get their own back, mate. I'm not sure they mean <laughs> so, it. So, so, but at the same time, I think my kids will also say that I will call myself out on it and mm. I will come and apologize after. And does that make it right if I yell at them and then I apologize? Um, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's just where I'm at. And mm. um, again, and then it's up to me then to try to do better next time. Um, you know, and I don't always do that successfully I don't always do better I feel like you know parenting a children is is the hardest thing you'll ever do but and a child with different abilities that's a whole different oh. kettle of fish that you know and often I have used Ruby as an excuse and said you know oh I got upset with you because you know I'm stressed out with Ruby you know I have used her as an, an as an excuse but it's also the truth <laughs> yeah, you know sometimes yeah, it's the truth yeah. that I I don't feel that support and it's mm. like where do I go for support like you know I, I don't know I don't necessarily always feel that emotional support like who do I go to for that and how do I and that's why it really does take a village you know to um, and that's why with inclusion it's so important to include you know people with different uh, abilities because you're helping you know make society a better place because mm. you're giving the parent that support too we ha we we go to a, a, an amazing organization called touch uh touch dubai and they provide crossfit classes like you provided as mm. well and they um they provide different activities actually swimming all kinds of things but that makes a difference for us because it gives us a break it makes the kids physical let gives them an outlet to express whatever they're expressing um but yeah i think when you say if they ask if i ask my kids if they're traumatized probably yes i don't know what the what the answer is to that yet mm. but um i think having awareness and acknowledging to them yes i've probably traumatized you in some way <laughs> i feel bad then, for making you feel bad <laughs> no no i don't feel i actually don't feel bad no. because it's, I'm human. You shouldn't. Yeah, I, I'm human and I'm doing my best. I really am. And if you felt bad, then there would be resentment. Exactly. There would be guilt and shame, which are at the bottom of the yeah. resonance. So it's like, no, we're not going to go there. We're going to accept <laughs> and move on. <laughs> so where does it all go? We're trying to align our energy. We're trying to harness good energy we're trying to identify and be aware of bad energy and remove it even if it's this pen that i've been playing with that probably has annoyed you <laughs> whether it's someone who annoys you we're trying to remove it and then one day comes and all our energy stops and we end up six foot under or in a box of dust <laughs> where where does where, what's the flow of this so energy, I think the basic physics of it is what's the saying that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Is that what, mm. is that right? Yeah. So energy, energy is just energy. It continues regardless, right? Takes different shapes and forms. Um, when you talk about good and bad energy, I have really, um, 
I think I have a different take on that. And that is just that um, the planet is a dualistic planet. We're made of dark and light, we ha which is just even shown in our day to day. We have night, we have day. It's dark and light, right? Um, and I think a lot of times what we try to do, myself included, I've, I've had to learn this and I'm still learning this, um, is that we try to push the darkness away. But we are darkness. Mm. We are darkness and light. Mm -hmm. And so when you can start to really see those darker parts of yourself as how can you embrace them, not push them away. Mm. Yes, you can get rid of energy that doesn't serve you or suit you in your environment so that you can be more in the lighter version of yourself. But if you can accept those darker aspects of who you are, it's like me accepting the darker aspects of my parents and where they came from. You know, I can see that that's made them who they are. They're very strong, tenacious people. Mm. Um, it's also made me a strong, tenacious person. Is that good or bad? I, for me, it's helped me a lot. Um, you know, when I had to had those rejections of 40 times being told my kid can't go to school, if I didn't build, have the, the childhood I had, I don't think I would have persevered through that. Yeah. You know, um, just an example. But I think with dark and light, it's about embracing the darkness. And when you can embrace the darkness, you see the light. You have that event into the dark. So when you, mm. you, you, you know, you do your ultra events all night and eventually you see the light, right? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, I think it's more about embracing that part of yourself and accepting the darker parts so that you can be in the light. And with the energy, this continuum, I feel like, uh, you know, everything, when it ends, there's always a new beginning. So that may not resonate with everyone, but... Amazing. You die, but you come back. I don't know. What's your next, what's your next task? Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Steph, absolutely incredible. You said it before we started. We can probably talk all day. I want to appreciate you. I apologize. Some of those questions probably caught you a little bit off guard. No, I loved it. They, your answers not only helped me, I hope they helped you. And I'm sure they help a lot of other people. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure.